Hello and welcome to the Lanky Guys Podcast. It's a word on the hill for all you guys. I hope you're ready to hear it. I'm ready to help you to fear it. Because we are here. I'm Father Peter Musset. I'm Scott Powell. We're do working. We not, do we all want to fear it? No. They we can don't fear the word of God and like the, the holy in sense. In the, in the fear and trembling. I just figured I should we should start working on um, a, a custom you? theme song. Okay. You know, we have one that plays. Do we? Well, yeah, there's music. Oh, there has been for seven years. Because <laughs> every time I do this, I have to sing. Yeah, you do. Every I do. time. Um, it somehow weirdly works. Yeah. Nobody's complained about uh, the dissonance between the theme song and your singing. That's good. In I, seven years. That's they a... complain about a lot of things, but not, not that. <laughs> so, you guys, um, this I give a shout out um, okay. to all the people who are quarantined who are listening to the podcast. Mm, yes. So, um, I'm really sorry that you're quarantined. Yeah. Can I give an, two more shout outs as well? Yep, I have a shout out too. Oh, well, you just had one. You had one. You, you no, spent, you I did not. Yours. You said you get two. I, no, get I did one, not two. say you get two. I, I said I get two. Yeah, okay. You get uh, two. No, go for Who's your second? No, no, you no, do yours your and then I'm going to do mine. Oh, for Pete's sake. All right. Uh, Hannah Shirley wants to shout out Lauren Walton from Kansas. Yeah. Who's super excited. So that she's one of the, the KU crew down there um, that was friends with the Shirley's. Shirley. That's all I got. But awesome. uh, so, Lauren. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I thought you said you had two. I do. The other one, I want to give a shout out to all the fellas I met at, up at the Traverse City um, uh, Catholic Men's Conference up in Michigan last week, um, which was an absolute blast. Traverse City is one of the nicest towns I've ever been to. Really? It's one of those things that I didn't, and this is just my total ignorance. I knew nothing about Traverse City before I literally got off the plane. Yeah. And I'm like, so where am I again? And I was just like, oh, this is really beautiful and nice and lovely this beautiful city on the lake but i was so warmly received by the crew up there and um yeah all the organizers and the men who came out for the event it was such a warm welcome i had such a great time with these guys so just shout out to all all those chaps dude i i love it i love that you're able to go out and to bring the the link i brought the link (laughs) i did do that um i have a shout out um My bro, yeah, Neil. Neil um, wants to shout out Bob Warner okay. at Saint Amelia's. Um, he said that um, when he listens to the podcast, he that my brother and I sound exactly the same. I've heard that many times. Yeah. Well, and I didn't believe it until we actually had Neil on the podcast once. <laughs> and when I was editing it, I really couldn't tell you guys apart at one point. Man, you you laugh exactly the same. <laughs> And it was funny looking at it on, on the, the podcast software because I could watch the intonation of each of your laughs, each of your haws matched up perfectly with the other ones. Oh, so I no. actually have empirical proof and that, that you we are the same. That we are the same. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Well, you know, I know that my brothers were like, this is the thing is I think podcasts might actually become more important right now given that there's a lot of people who are working from home. That's true. And they're looking for some experience of a community. Something to do. Right. <laughs> they're just bored. Dude, this is the thing yeah. is that like- Yeah, no, this is real. I want to have, I think I want to create something that is like how to deal with cabin fever. I think this what is the right time for that. What do you do within your house when yeah. you can't go anywhere? Yeah. But of course my brother's in Buffalo, so I think yeah. that they have like long-term cabin fever. <laughs> it's always pre- cabin prepared fever. Prepared. Yeah, yeah, like Yeah. Yeah, cuz I mean you're like, "Hey, is it snowing?" Well, it's not snowing 2 feet. It's only <laughs> snowing one and a half so, feet. Yeah, a clarification. Yep. So, um we are heading into the third Sunday of Lent. Speaking of cabin fever, 
Um, no, it's kind of the opposite of cabin fever. It's wilderness we, fever. Yeah, wilderness fever. Is that? Is, uh, you're, That's what I call the podcast. I you're think. a wilderness professional. What does wilderness fever look like? Well, we'll find out in a second. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Our first reading is from Exodus, chapter seventeen, three to seven. Nice. You you really nailed it. Okay, so what's our response? God's royal psalm is from Psalm ninety-five, verses one through two, six through seven, and eight through nine. And then, oh, the response itself is from eight. Our second reading is Romans. Yep. Chapter 5, 1 to 2, 5 to 8. John, our gospel is coming from the gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42, which is a big one, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I was trying to read it. I don't even think there's a short form. There is a short form. but It's not an option on here. Or option B, 4, 5 to 15, 19B to 26, 39A, (laughs) comma, 40 to 42. That's the worst. No, I mean, like, it's literally- so piecemealed. The short short form is not that much shorter, by the way. Just just do the whole narrative. Do the whole narrative. Otherwise, it's just like, it's chop suey. It's also a really important narrative, if I do say so myself. Yeah, that is true. Mm, Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for affirming that. So, Exodus- um, Talk to me like some like I feel like I um I, I like know this, but mm. I I always like getting refreshed by you, man. You refresh me like water from a rock. Would you say? Yeah, like oh. kind of like that. It, it's very minerally. There's a lot of minerals <laughs> in your refreshment, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, okay, so so Exodus 17. Um, it's. It, I, I did get the joke, by the way. Thanks. I started saying mineral water, uh, as it, and you probably thought, "Does he get the joke?" No, I got it. That's why I said, "Because <laughs> <laughs> <I was, laughs> this is how I pictured your in your internal uh, microphone." <laughs> That's what you were saying there. Um, <laughs> Dude, I'm now gonna think my, of my interior life as an internal microphone that I'm gonna <laughs> go. Weird way to what, say that. I'm gonna go to prayer and I'm gonna step to the microphone and be like, "Dear Jesus." Dear Jesus. This is With my that internal little podium microphone. I keep in my office. You can stand on that. Um, stand on that? Is that what you just said? It. I did say on Dude, it, but this that's is not thing. what I meant. As, you correct me. I correct you. This is how I love you. This you love how. me. This is Our good. love language is, is mutual correction. <laughs> Fraternal correction. What a lousy love language. Yeah, um, that's a horrible love language. Nobody's into that. It's hard. It's hard. Um, okay, so here we are in Exodus 17. We are pretty fresh out of Egypt. So... Chapter, um, so for perspective, in chapter 15, so two chapters prior, okay. this is when Israel is passing through the Red Sea. So this is a famous scene where they're going through the Red Sea, having been parted, and they're singing this song of praise. And the reason I point out that particular scene is that Israel sings this, this amazing hymn of thanksgiving to God for their salvation. And one of the things I've always found striking about that particular passage is that I think if you read it rightly, they seem to be singing their song of thanksgiving and praise for their salvation while they're still in the midst of the Red Sea. Right. Which means they're singing a song of thanksgiving to God for saving them before the salvation is actually kind of complete. Which sounds like Lent. Which sounds a lot like Lent. Um, but it also sounds like Lent in the sense that we have these moments where we kind of get it and we see beyond our present moment and our present state of affairs. And then we fall so quickly into the moments of easily forgetting that right. and saying, but it's hard and it stinks and it's painful and it's dangerous. Um, they, I, I always kind of give Israel during the Exodus wandering period a hard time because in the whole biblical tradition, I mean, that that is sort of the... 
paradigm for whining and complaining. It's the it's it's the the icon for bad road trips, right? The whole nation, <laughs> they're going to this place, they're complaining, they're upset, they want Moses to turn the car around. Like it's it's just constant. But at the same time, I mean, that being said, and, and maybe they deserve some bit of a hard time, but when they come out of the Red Sea, what the text actually tells us is that they then can't find water to drink for three days. An entire nation of people in the wilderness without water for three days. I mean, this actually isn't a laughing matter. This is real hardship. This is real suffering, which leads to real fear. And so the people are like, this is, I mean, you can talk about them whining, murmuring, and complaining, which is not untrue. Right. But it's all, we also can't underestimate the power of suffering and how much suffering has the possibility to lead our minds astray from God Mm. and make us forget the things that we actually do know. Yes. Because they proclaim in chapter 15 this knowledge of who God is. We saw what you did. We witnessed your wooing of us in the mighty deeds, the plagues, as you destroyed the gods of Egypt and showed us that you and you alone are God. Um, Which is significant because then they come out, right? And actually, after they come out of the water, they basically stray into trouble and complain to Moses four different times, right? We're hot, we're thirsty, we're hungry, we're thirsty again. And this is kind of the second time that they're thirsty. So just before this, we had the giving of the manna from heaven because they were hungry, there was no food, and God, similarly to the parting of the Red Sea, miraculously provided for what they needed. Mm. And But now we're in a number, another heart. Again, it's not just that we forget super easy. It's that suffering is really real and suffering right. actually really hurts. Yes. And so it says in those days, their thirst for in their thirst for water, their thirst for water, by the way, that's been happening for multiple days in the wilderness, in the heat and the oppression of the Middle Eastern climate. That's a big deal. So they're, they're thirsting for water. They're grumbling against Moses. And they said, why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Because we can come to that point in our suffering where our oppression actually seems better, seems more favorable than the suffering that we're facing right now. Dude, amen to that. I mean, and I mean, you just think about it. It's uh, when was the last time you're like, hey, let's I, I'm going to take you out of Boulder and we're going to go up into the peaks and you have nothing. It would yeah. be it would be absolutely terrifying because you're going to die. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's the right analogy because you're, you're that's just actually like, similar. We're gonna die. This is it. This is done. I, Which is. Oh, go. I for was it. actually thinking, like, for some reason, my mind was going through all the times that I narrowly escaped death last night as I was going to bed. Last night. Yeah. Oh, you were thinking last night about, about the times the, you narrowly escaped death. Yeah, and I was. It's like, not that you narrowly escaped death before bed last night. No. Sorry, that was confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it, I, it, I didn't have a good night's sleep to say the least, but like. Mm. But I think hmm. that I think that there's a spirit of anxiety that is hovering over all of our lands about, are like are we are we in the plague? Is is, is everything going to be taken from us? I what think a, that like what a great reading then to have this Sunday in the providence of God, right? Who works through these things? A, a reading of anxiety, right? A reading not just of anxiety, but an anxiety that our 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 needs are not going to be met, right? Which again, that's I don't. I am not of the, I, I spend too much time on social media. I spend too much time reading the news, which is, can be devastating, you know, especially in times like this. Right now, yeah. But, you know, I'm also not of the opinion that our faith is some magic trick, right? And that there are times that God allows real suffering to happen and things to take place and play out. And it's not like, well, God, you know, if I just pray hard enough, then all this stuff will go away. And that's, I think that's actually really important because one of the things that this reading, I, I, I bring that up and I shouldn't, 
I don't want to head down this rabbit hole, but I was reading all these things online and kind of getting lost in these things of people saying, well, you know, this is silly that some dioceses are withholding the cup, you know, during the Eucharistic celebration, because don't we know that the Eucharist can't transmit disease? If you receive the precious blood, it's the precious blood. It's a sacrament. You can't get sick from that. And I just thought to myself, this is actually a, a poor understanding of theology, that Yes, God remains in the accidents, the, the externals of right. these things. If you drink enough of the cup, you can still get drunk. It yep. still has those qualities. Right. If you have a gluten allergy and you have the host, yes, you can still get sick. It is fundamentally God, but it maintains all of the externals, right. the accidents we say in philosophy, right. of that. So we don't believe that God is just some lucky magic trick. Th- this is the problem that we see throughout the Bible is when people trust in God as you know a lucky charm or something, that if we just do these things right or say the words in the correct way, then he'll magically do these things. And God says, no, 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 I'm, I'm actually trying to teach you, even through the suffering, even through pain, I'm trying to teach you something. And um, I, I, was, I was reading up, well, so they come to this spot, um, they're, they're mad at Moses, they say, shouldn't we just go back, let's go back into slavery. Um, was it, did you just bring us out here to die of thirst with our children and our livestock? And so it says, Moses cried to the Lord, because Moses is really suffering as well. And then imagine, you know, imagine being Israel, but then imagine being Moses, and you're like, yeah, I'm in charge here. I led them to this place, trusting that God's going to have something for us, trusting that he's going to fulfill our needs, well, and, I mean, and did, I don't know what to do here. Dude, this is the crazy part. is that I, I uh, Our ministry here, doing all the people who are doing university ministry, who literally, they just had every, they're sending people home. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what? The university is stopping yeah. doing in-person classes. Right. And, I, and I'm like, oh, I mean, and a lot of campuses are full on shutting down. Absolutely, yeah. And like, and we might be soon. We might be soon, and then so yeah. we're saying like, okay, do we? How do we do virtualized ministry? And like, it's just, but like, but then there's which something is more that, the question: How do we keep doing our job? Right. Not okay. What do we do? Let's triage all these things. Let's kind of go into panic mode. Let's prudentially deal with what's happening in the world. Absolutely. And uh, and act accordingly in our ministries. Right. Which Absolutely. is. What I want to say Moses is doing or what God is going to try to lead Moses to understand because their suffering is going to continue. I mean, it's not going to stop here, right? They have hard circumstances that Moses has to figure out, okay, in these circumstances, how do I lead and how do I show the people? So God says, okay, go, go over there in front of the people, take some of the elders with you, go with the staff. And it actually says this, the staff with, with, with which you struck the river. So remember, this was the staff that back in Egypt, Moses hit the Nile River with and the Nile River turned blood to poison. That same staff that turned the Nile undrinkable is going to turn a rock drinkable. So it has the power to actually do the opposite of what it did in a different context. Oh, that's really Eucharistic. Which is kind of cool. Yes, right? Hold on. I mean, that's crazy. Talk about the the accidents, uh, the, the the accidents remaining. Yes. But then the, it being coming something powerfully trans- the effects become different. Right. Yeah. And, and the substance of what it actually is is different. Whereas, mm. like, it, it ha- this mm. has the power to give life and to give death. And so you actually have the mystery of faith that is yeah. at present within the staff of of Moses. Yes. Yeah, isn't that cool? It's a full mystery. I, I just came across that in reading one of my books this morning. Ooh. Jorin, Jorin Larson, he has a great book called Bound for Freedom. 
get it bound in Exodus for freedom. That's a good. That's good. That's good. Um, but they they call it. So he strikes it. Rock comes out. I'm sorry, water comes out of the rock. Not rock, rock comes out of the water. Rock comes out of the water. <laughs> this is getting weird, man. This is some revisionist stuff. In a little bit. But the water flows out of it for the people to drink. Moses did this in the presence of the elders, and they called the place Masa and Meribah, or Meribah and Masa, which means uh, Masa literally means test or temptation, and then Meribah literally means a dispute or a quarrel. And and here's here's what I find kind of interesting. This yeah. these rocks or this location. And actually, by the way, in the Jewish tradition later on, and and the scriptures sort of allude to this but never explain it, the rabbinic tradition talks about how the rock then follows them around the wilderness. And I don't know if that means like the rock like literally like rolled behind Moses or this particular miraculous quality um, um, happened in other rocks. We don't know exactly what's happening, but the miracle doesn't just stay in this place. It actually accompanies them. Yeah, one of my teachers um, in scripture and seminary was saying that really it's by the rock following and what they understood is, is that he could continue to strike. And that the the, wa- right. the water poured makes forth from sense. the from the the rock from different rocks, right? Rather than like um, just this one rock, kind of like a, a mystical thing of like rock creatures that were <laughs> fraggles, <laughs> are not are not following them around. Yeah. Down a fraggle rock, <laughs> I love fraggle rock, dude. Um, man, that's like a fourth pop culture show that we've sang today. Yeah, because we're we're. I mean, not in the podcast. <laughs> no, not in the podcast. But but yeah, like, but all over the place. I mean, this is the thing is we're chilling. That's, that's we're what chilling. friends do: is we sing songs together. <laughs> we that's what friends do. Um, I, I the only other thing I was going to say about this is that I, I'm for all the the criticism, sort of the the tradition our theology gives to the people of Israel. You'll note that at least in this moment, God doesn't condemn them. God doesn't shame the people for complaining and for murmuring. Mm. He acts mercifully. Right. He acts mercifully, but he actually also asks that they not forget the temptation, the testing, the quarreling, the murmuring, because even that place is then called by this name. Right. So the source of life, the source of God's mercy, is going to have inherent to it, don't forget actually the complaining and the murmuring and the testing and the struggle that actually brought you to this. Those are meant to be held in tension mm. together. Well, yeah, because it's it's both testing and temptation. It's like that's a place where we tested. Yeah. Like I go back to my university, and I and I mean like, and I'm like, oh man, I remember reality. Reality. I had the hardest test in that building right over there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like like yeah. the, everything. Things have spiritual memory. Like. So, so there's a certain sense in which it, it's not a negative thing that it's named Mirabah and Massa. Right. It's the, it's the reminder it's of the grace. Yes. And, and don't like, forget the story. Right. Don't forget don't, the story. Don't forget the story. And yeah. that's, and that's really where like, I, I feel like we're globally at the, at a, at a, at a united place to where we're not going to forget the story of what's happening now. Yeah. So let's that's do that's it. Right. Let's do what we're doing right now without regret. Let's actually not become narcissistic. Let's also do what we're doing knowing, hey, they're going to tell stories about us hundreds of years from now. Let's act as though we actually understand that we're going to be a part of a grand narrative. Absolutely. Which changes how you approach a given moment, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. And then we're going to say, yeah, yeah we're going to say coronavirus. It was the moment that we were crowned. That This moment of testing. In the, oh, coronavirus. Yeah. You know, uh, you were you weren't being ironic. I, I wasn't that's, being ironic. That's that's, oh, that's good. And what kind of that's crown? Really what kind of crown it is is going to be a determination by the human response. I keep thinking you're going to make a joke, and you keep saying really profound things. <laughs> <laughs> you had that face though that you're about to. 
make a, make a beer joke or something. <laughs> but actually, that's good because Psalm 95 actually fits that fits that bill. Because what is Psalm 95? Psalm 95 was traditionally a Levitical a, a hymn to be to be sung by the Levitical priests in the temple, hmm. hundreds if not thousands of years after this moment. And what is it? It's a song that they would repeatedly sing in the temple, telling the story of what happened back in the time of Moses at Meribah and Massa. I mean, it's exactly that. Mm. Let's not forget. Let's retell the story because those were hard times. God heard our cries. He didn't despise us because of it. He didn't abandon us because of it, but he actually acted with mercy. And that's what Psalm 95 is all about. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, because we actually remember a time that not those people over there, but we, as the people of God, we hardened our hearts. Mm-hmm. And we know how prone we are to harden our hearts again and again mm-hmm. when times get hard. So because we know that story, because we've lived that narrative, if today you hear his voice, don't do that again. Dude, that's interesting. I'm hearing the, vo- the voice of the Lord right now. We we had a we have a staff coffee hour on Thursday mornings, mm. and um, I kind of went hard into conspiracy theories about the whole thing today. Partly, like, as a self-defense of just, like, mm. just, like, honestly, I'm a little overwhelmed, and there's some real anxiety about, mm. like, what's happening, and, like, it, it, there's, I have just authentic fears, and so to distract from that, I went into the absurdity of, <laughs> of the campaigning for conspiracy theories and proposing them. And which like, is fun. Which is, which is, I think it's fun. It, which is fun, which was like an attempt to do that. But I can, yeah. but like now I'm registering all of the people's mm-hmm. faces in front of me who are actually looking for a word of hope and not for a word of, 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 um, of jest. And like, mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, Oh, I think actually that's a little bit of where my heart was a little hard actually this morning because I because I'm I'm trying to harden myself from the impact of what's actually taking place in front of me, which is the logical human response, right? Which is which the the, the which is really actually unfortunate, and I'm gonna go make some apologies this afternoon now that we're talking. Oh, because I think wow. people needed something different from me than I gave, and I think I let my heart go into something different, which is hard to. Which is, uh, it's it really, it's it's hard to actually let the things affect you. This is about a hard year. I've had it's a hard, hard year, year, and so the truth yeah. is, I don't want anything else. Right. And and in fact, there's there's no choice about what is actually in front of us. Well, it's funny that you say it that way, and this isn't aimed at you, but I mean, just as you're saying this. Yeah, I think of all the times I'm hardening my heart. It's been a hard year. Right. It's really easy to harden yourself. Right. But then the response that the responsorial psalm gives us to do not harden your hearts, well, what do you do if you don't harden your hearts? Well, sing joyfully to the Lord. It's literally the antidote to this. This is the antidote to hardening your hearts. The rock the, of our salvation that follows us in the desert. Right. That, there it is. That's, that's struck and, and gives us what we need. Well, do you remember how it's in 1 Corinthians, I believe, what Paul says the rock was? Jesus. It's Jesus. Right. Which, which is to, re, to think backwards. This is where the church in her great wisdom loves to, to say the best and the only really reading lens for the entirety of the Old Testament is Jesus. Right. He is the lens through which we view everything. And so Paul says, oh yeah, the rock which see, which we experience in the midst of our suffering and our hardship, which gives us life, which has life pouring forth out of it that we actually get to receive sacramentally. Yeah, of course Jesus is the rock, but where does he tend to show up? In these moments of hardship where it's really hard to see reality for what it is, because it looks like a rock sometimes. Right. It doesn't look like God's act of salvation to us. Right. Because 
I'm tired and I'm dizzy and it's hot and I'm thirsty and it's really hard to see things clearly. Right. So thanks be to God, he gives me something to feed and drink on. Mm. I don't know. And so we sing joyfully. Yeah. And there's a challenge. This is the this is part of what I think is part of the challenge of the Christian faith is being in the midst of suffering, being in the midst of darkness and singing joyfully without that joyfulness being fake. Because yes. there's something to like, okay, I'm just going to fake it because I know life is hard and I'm not really feeling this. And like, you know, oftentimes when I'm giving talks or teaching or whatever, just, like you said, it's been a hard year and it's hard to be inspirational. It's hard to be on. It's hard to kind of feel like I can give anybody something. Right. But I also never want to feel like that's fake. I'm just going to pretend like I'm on and I'm inspirational. I'm saying this great thing. So where do you actually have actual real joy in the midst of hardship? Mm. That's what real joy, which joy and happiness are not the same thing. No. Happiness is an external thing. Joy is, I think, a deep internal reality. Right. Which you can have in the midst of suffering, in the midst of through tears. Right. In the midst of being hot and struggling and thirsty in the desert. There can actually be joy there. Because mm. why? Because of Jesus. Yes. He is the, the lens through which we read all of it. Which is what Paul is saying in Romans. Talk to me. Okay. Well, I was hoping you would take it from there. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, he, he is actually. And, yeah, and yeah. here's, I don't want to, there, there's Romans, I mean, you know, Romans is my thing, man. I wrote a book on Romans, but you know, there, there's so much going on here. But Which, by the way, is, Rome is closed. Rome is closed. Yeah, you said that twice. <laughs> I just, dude, I just like, I, I literally cannot get over the fact that uh, uh, Seattle's closed too. Basically. I mean, like, yeah. the, the Diocese of Seattle canceled all the masses. And the, it's Washington. all, it's all. Schools all, are closed. All the Catholic schools and the public schools. Yeah, all online. And so, like, I mean, Rome, like, the Pope is celebrating mass alone and giving his homilies online. Which, praise be to God. I mean, they, we have access to. Oh. Oh, all right, all right, all right, so, all right, brothers and sisters. Romans five. This is this is I think where Paul gets serious. He poses all the problems, all the issues, all of the questions that need to be solved throughout chapters one through four, okay. and then again in chapters nine through uh, fifteen. And in the center of the book, it's like a mountain. So sometimes Romans has been called the Mount Everest of scripture studies because the middle is where you get the peak. This is where kind of Paul hits his height. And so chapter five, verse one is where he's like, all right, so what? What's the point? What's the centerpiece of all this stuff? And so he says, brothers and sisters, since we have been, and he's writing, by the way, to a church community in Rome that is suffering greatly. They're having ethnic ethnic war, essentially, within the church. Jew and Gentile Christian can't figure out how they each might have a place in the covenant family. And it doesn't make sense to them. And there's real hardship, real social hardship going on. So he says, brothers and sisters, since we have been justified, justified, by the way, doesn't just mean we go to heaven. Justified means how we are brought into the covenant family. Right. Our entrance point into the reality that we live in, not just when we die, but now. So since we have been brought into the covenant family of God by faith through baptism, Paul actually knows sacramentally how this works as well. He says, we have peace. We have shalom with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Um, I had a, a teacher long ago who I, I remember, I'll always remember this little diagram he drew on the whiteboard when he was teaching this to me. Um, when he talked about, okay, because we are baptized, we have entered into the family of God, which means 
we are a different reality than we were before, which means it's like Israel in Egypt. Them crossing through the waters made them a different kind of national reality than they were on the other side of that. Right. Because they've passed through the waters of slavery and oppression through the waters into a land of freedom. Right. They've changed. They are actually different. But what they don't realize is what they're actually in the middle of. So through our baptism in Jesus Christ, we have gained access to this grace in which we stand. And he drew this little diagram of a little guy standing in a snow globe. You know those little snow globes? Yeah. You shake? And he's like, literally, there is grace all around us. And all we have to do is to reach out and grab it. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Literally, it's within reach. You just don't see all of the reality that actually is surrounding you. And so when Israel is complaining in the desert and they're upset and they think that God has turned his back because we don't see him so clearly anymore because we're really hungry and thirsty and hurting, what they don't realize is, no, we have total access. We're standing in the midst of utter and total freedom. Not freedom simply from the oppression of the Egyptians, but freedom to actually follow the one true God who is. So Moses gets to hit a rock and water comes out. They get to say a prayer and bread falls from the sky. God's like, what will I not give you? I know you can't always see it. And I know sometimes I bring you kind of to the brink, but I will always provide. Right. Because you now have full access to who I am. So we don't just have access to knowing about God. We have access to God. Right. Which I love the snow globe analogy. But you just said, I mean, again, it's a different kind of a way of thinking about it. But praise be to God that we live in 2020 when this is happening. When, yes, there are many of our brothers and sisters who actually can't go to mass right now, which is a real hardship. And so we offer that in spiritual sacrifice, knowing you know what, I can actually go online and I can watch Mass whenever I want to. And I can hear a homily from the Pope, for Pete's sake, who's basically quarantined in Rome because all of Rome is under quarantine. Right. But I have access to all of this. Mm. It's kind of like the water from the rock. Right. That we don't always have this and it's going to follow us around. But at this moment in time, in this moment of suffering, we actually have tremendous access to grace. It might not be the the kind of access we want always, But God has actually given us a way. He always gives us a route through it. Yes. Which I don't know. I, I think that's something about what Romans is doing here. It's cool. So it brings us into the long long gospel. This is a, you know it's Lent by how long a gospel is. And you know how Lent is getting based on how much longer they get consecutively yeah, week to week. I, this this might be one of the, the longest ones. So this is. This is the Samaritan woman um, at the well, at the well, um, mm. which, you know, the well is always the place of the meeting of the bridegroom. It's where you it's where you go if you want to find some romance. You go to a well. That's right. just sort of known culturally. Right. I mean, like, and that's that's so we have a meeting of a man and a woman at a well talking about, hey, you don't have a husband. Yeah. I've been thinking about this story a lot lately. Really? Yeah, well, I'm doing a Bible study with the focus team on John, okay. so we're, we've been discussing it. Um, one of the things, what we don't get, well, actually, it said right before this, it says that Jesus had to go through, pass through Samaria. It says he was going from one place to another, and in, in, in getting there, he had to pass through Samaria, which geographically is not true. There's actually another route that the Jewish people would usually take around Samaria because they didn't like the Samaritans. So they would go on the route around, it was on the west side of the Jordan River, so they didn't have to pass through Samaria. But John says Jesus had to in order to get back up to the Galilee. And you're like, no, he didn't. Which means he had to go to Samaria 
for a spiritual reason, for a different reason than just pure logistics, which I think is really important because John's saying there's a necessity that must take place here. Um, and so he goes, yeah, and, and he's at a well. Wells are romance place, right? But what's also significant Meet is the me time. at the well. Is that a thing? No. <laughs> I just figured I would sing a song. That's good. But but think back to the time of the Exodus. Um, what is their problem in the first reading? They're hot and they're thirsty. Mm. Where does Jesus, when and where does Jesus show up? At noon. Middle of the day, which is not the time that you go to the well because it's so hot. So hot. You That's go in the morning or the house. night. The only yes. time you go into the well in the middle of the day is when you're trying to uh, go through the field to avoid the, um, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're trying to not be a part of the social structure because of shame. So if this woman is showing up at a well at noon. You know, she, something ain't right. Something ain't right. And she knows nobody's going to see me there. It's a time that I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to be seen. I don't want people to talk to me. I am ashamed for whatever reason. I don't want to be known. It's like going to the grocery store at 4 a.m. It's like, yes, it, it's exactly right. It's going to the grocery store at 4 a.m. You're trying to avoid people. Right. And there's Jesus. And he's like, what's up? <laughs> and I I've, I have been reflecting on this because I've been thinking a lot about this woman. And if you are going to this place that is known to be a sort of place where you find romance in the ancient world because wells are. Because that's where everybody goes because everybody's yeah. thirsty. And you're going at a time that you know nobody else is going to be there. Right. And there's some random guy kind of creeping around the well. He's like, what's up? And she's like, are you here to draw water? And she's like, you don't have a bucket. You don't have anything to draw water, which means you're not just here for water. You're here for something else. Ooh. And I've actually started to reflect on Ooh, that's intense. how actually terrifying this moment might be for this woman. Right. Of like, oh, no. How did you know I was going to be here, first of all? Because Jesus seems to know a whole lot about her. Right. And is she thinking, like, have you been following me? Have you been stalking me? Do you know I'm here? What are you going to do? What would a man with no bucket be doing at a well at a time that he knows nobody else is going to be there? And I am. Geesh. So, and I'm not trying to take it too far, but the profundity th- for, with which this woman responds to Jesus's voice accesses the grace in which she stands is countered only by the profoundness of the fear she must have in the initial part of this. Right. And that's where she becomes a little bit of an icon of Old Testament Israel, who is terrified because they're in the heat and they're thirsty and they don't know how they're going to get out of this. And I wonder if there's a moment where she's like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. He might chase me. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? There's a moment of terror in the heat of the day with great thirst. She is Israel in a very real way, in this right. sense. Yeah. And she knows she needs many things. And so, yeah, the conversation goes on. He's like, give me a drink. And she's like, my, my friends all went into town to buy food. Again, it's just cre- if, if you think of it from like purely worldly way, you're like, oh, this is getting creepier and creepier. Again. Um, my disciples went into town to buy food. The Samaritan said, how can you a Jew? She knows he's Jewish. There's probably features, there's way of language, dialect, there's dialect, things that she knows, e- she can easy tell. Easy dress, yeah, their mannerism. And she's like, not only that, but I know the Jewish people hate the Samaritans. They want nothing to do with us. So not only why are you here, but why are you talking to me? What's your game here, man? Like, what are you trying to pull? Yeah. And he says, if you knew who was talking to you, saying, give me a drink, you would have asked him. You would ask me, and he would have given you living water, because- who is Jesus again, according to Paul? The rock. And what does the rock give? Water. Water. He's like, if you realized, he doesn't say it, but that I'm the rock, right. then you would have been asking me. And this is when 
the fear begins to turn to faith. Right. And she's like, all right, I'm open to this. I'm hearing you. I'm listening to you because I'm not going to let my fear overwhelm what God is doing. Tell me more about this water. Give me this water. How can I get it? She's still thinking on a worldly level. She's like, I'm really sick of coming here with my bucket every day. This water, this is deep. Are you really going to give us greater than, you know, than this, than, than Jacob and our father? And he says, everybody who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. And she's like, yes, then give me this water. And she, and then, you know, this is when we have the turn in the story and things get rough. Yep. He's like, go get your husband and come back. And she's like, wait, what are you trying to pull? What, yeah. is, what does that mean? And again, think of it on a purely worldly, secular, not secular, but take it out of Bible world. And he's essentially saying, you married? Right. Again, think of it from what she's hearing. She's oh. like, wait a second, I was hanging with this for a second, but now you're like, oh, are you married? Go get your husband. Do you have a ring on your finger? I'm trying, you know, what's yeah. the equivalent? Yeah, exactly. And she's like, no, I don't I don't have a husband. And Jesus says- She just made herself so vulnerable. Right. And Jesus says, yes, you're right. Why are you right? Because you have five husbands. Or he says, you have had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. The five, I'm sure we've talked about this before, right? Yeah, well, there, there, well there's there's the there's the prophetic gesture of the both the- uh, the remote and the imminent. Okay. So, so the Samaritans have actually had five specific gods that they would have worshipped over time. Right? Well, no. In fact, when the Assyrian nation came in and, and attacked oh, is that what it is? the north, Assyria forced the Israelites to intermarry with five different nations. Oh, is that and, what it is? Yeah, and that, I knew there was something in there, and I never preach about it because I always forget. No, but it's specific to to marrying. I mean, that's why this is such a direct statement. Um, this is part of why the Jewish people hate the Samaritans, partially because of the great civil war that happened right. way back in, in the time of Solomon, right. but also because when Assyria attacked them, it sounds like when Assyria tried to force them to intermarry and basically wipe out their ethnic bloodlines, the Bible tells us that they were kind of all too, all too ready to do it. They're like, cool, we'll, we'll, we'll lose our identity. And the Jewish people are like, what's wrong with you? And so whoever lives in Samaria by the time of Jesus is basically whoever's left over from what used to be Israel. And so, as often happens in the Bible, this one person, not that she doesn't have reality, she probably has had these relationships, but she also embodies, she stands in the place of her people. She represents them. So yeah, you, your people, the Israelite, because she's like, you're a Jew, you shouldn't have anything to do with this. You guys hate us. We have a really bad, uh, horrible family history. So why are you talking to me? And he's like, yeah, well, I have to. Remember, John already told you I've got to go to Samaria. He had to go there, not just because he was thirsty, right. but because this is what he needs to do to reconcile all of Israel back to himself. Right. Exactly. And he says, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And who is she with Him. right now? Him. Jesus. And who is not Samaria's God? The God of Israel. God, who is Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, that's what, yes, she probably, whatever relationship, it's not to diminish her own personal, like you said, remote and, and immediate fulfillments. Right. Yes, she has a real life in this, which these things are taking place, but she also then stands in the place of. And then they begin to have this conversation about worship. She's like, I see that you're a prophet, which she's just been called out, basically. And yet she still has the eyes to see beyond this simple worldly situation. John, by the way, will juxtapose this woman with a whole lot of other people who really should know better than she does. She, again, according to the worldly standards, she has no reason to know any of this. 
but yet she has greater eyes of faith and greater means to access the grace that is standing in front of her right. the than snow anybody globe, else does. Yeah. The snow globe, man. And she's like, but you guys say, she says, I, I, I see you're a prophet. The northern kingdom, the people in Samaria, they were expecting Messiah too. But they said it was going to be like a Moses. Another Moses would come. Yeah. The southern kingdom expected a new David. But the northerners didn't believe in the kingdom of David because there was a big fight. And so they said, no, the one who's coming is like a Moses. South said, no, the one who's coming is like a David. And, and Jesus, Jesus says, is, I'm both hey. and more than, <laughs> What's up? And more than um, Solomon. Yes. All more than all these things. More. <laughs> and she's like, well, you guys say we should worship down there. We say we should worship up here. And Jesus is like, no, there's a whole new holy mountain being presented right in front of you. Which is interesting because you have Moses who's yeah. at the well who finds his wife. Absolutely. Because he beats up a bunch of bad guys. Right, exactly, and saves her. And so that's actually he what defeats Jesus... defeats a bunch of false spouses. Ah. Would-be spouses. <laughs> which is what, it ha- what just happened in the Exodus story. God just defeated a bunch of false gods, which are called spouses. They had espoused themselves too. So what is God up to? He's defeating all the false um, romancers. <laughs> the, uh, suitors. Suitors. That's the way I can think of the word. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which, which, by the way, in the the romance com- romance genre, okay. uh, like rom- rom-coms and stuff, yeah. is you always end up having a fake suitor. So it's a fun thing to pay attention to because you're like, Oh, you're like, I really love Notting Hill. And then all of a sudden her ex-husband shows up and then you're right. like, no, this is bad. And, and you're like, the no. good guy has to to show that the one she's not supposed to be with is actually worthless and nothing and show himself as the true. Right. Valid love interest. The That's valid the love interest who could, who could by which you can fulfill your true potential. This is the whole biblical story. Right. And this girl gets it. Right. She's like, I want that romance. Right. I see. And then she goes and she tells everybody. Because the, because it's it's not just that she, she, she understands the language. She understands the structure of the narrative. She, she says, this is not just specific to me, but this is everybody, everybody. And not to keep repeating it, but she gains access to the grace in which she stands. She says, come that, into the snow globe. Well, she says, oh, I'm in the snow globe. All I have to do is reach out. And, and get me. living water because it's totally accessible to me. It's literally standing in front of me. Right. Yeah. The rock is standing in front of me. She doesn't say it in that way, but right. that's what the readings are trying to get us to see. Right. Because she's in the midst of real hardship, right? She's not Israel wandering in the desert. She's now Israel having been intermarried and abused by a bunch of false suitors. And in a real sense, quarantining herself from the rest of culture. Absolutely. Because she has been so hurt. Right. And she's like, there can't be any access for me. Mm. And then someone comes and says, no, in the midst of all your suffering, in the midst of your quarantine, in the midst of all your abuse that you've suffered at the hands of these false gods, there's access. Do you want it? And she says, yes. Yeah. And she Give this everything. water to me always. Give it to me always. And then she tells everybody. And they all listen because of her. Right. That's more significant than I think anybody gives it credit for. Breaks her quarantine. Breaks her quarantine. And brings her back into civilization. Right. But they actually listened to her. She was the one who should have been shamed and cast out by society. And her society, something about what has now changed in her, society listens to her. Yes. To the least likely person that they should have been listening to. Which tells you how powerful the effects of this actually are. Right. Which, I don't know. It's cool. Which I think actually in the, in a real way, I was talking to a good friend and he was like, you know what? 
he said, we have got to consider the potential for evangelization in this time of global pandemic. Yeah, uh, that's th- right. That, that at the core, this is actually going to break through um, an understanding of how iso- like it's going to break us of our isolation because we're going to be forced to be to recognize how I- isolated we really are, yes. and we're going to want to break through, and we're going to need contact with one another again, and that we're going to need to understand the living water that actually can soothe and can can relax the 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 turmoil of us espousing ourselves to the false gods of of weird sexuality and um and and materialism and distortion and over entertainment and drinking and like yeah. and drugs and like all these things that are yeah. that are actually trashing our our ability to 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 be with one another yes, right the, the seven deadly sins yeah and and the hope the prayer is that the literal quarantine in whatever degree that we're living within that, yep. will help us to see the spiritual quarantine that we've already given ourselves. Right. And then break free of it. Right. The staff being can bring both life and death, right? Right. Hmm. That's good. Man, oh. that's what I call a staff meeting. Ah, ah. Well, well played. <laughs> For all of those <laughs> who don't have staff meetings, <laughs> you could you just join ours. Celebrate. So, celebrate. You guys are wonderful. Um, we love you. Um, you know, look forward to. Um, I don't know. We. we um, who knows <laughs> what what the days hold? But we're with you in prayer, and um, and uh, and we humble ourselves before you, and um, we encourage you to do the same, and and follow in here, and and, and, and follow the word of the Lord in, in your life. So we'll see you next time. Not if I see you first. Oh, oh. slam. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash A-I-C-T, and you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.